Four Jewels. Yeah. <coughs> Welcome to Blackout at Sunrise. Today's guest is Mr. Julian O'Gorman. Long-time chef, long-time rock and roller, long-time MMA fan, and long-time legend. <laughs> Julian, welcome to the show. Thanks very much. Julian, first off, I suppose the reason you're here is to talk food, which is probably your main passion. Would you agree? Or one of your main passions? Uh, yes, it'll be the main passion. It's, it's my job. It's yeah. what I've been doing for... 21 years now 21 years I can't see you Julie. it's okay I, I, I'm still here <laughs> I'm missing your face that's alright I, I understand <coughs> oh look you're all quiet though we you're roaring and well that's because we haven't got down to the meat and, the meat and gristle of, the, of what we're going to be talking about <coughs> well okay we might discuss the, um, okay we'll, we'll discuss the, the chefing thing how you got into it and all that but we might also discuss the current trend of like a multitude of cooking programs I don't know if you're into them on all channels farmers markets versus supermarkets I know you're probably a bit passionate about that organic food and stuff maybe restaurants prices you know high priced restaurants are they justifiably overpriced and I'm sure anything else that might pop up are you happy I'm happy you're good <laughs> all right okay let's start with the chefing side of you your character how did you um what was the appeal Julian what drew you to it initially was it just a kind of did you just fill out a CAA form and go for it or were you an avid cooker growing up I wouldn't say I was no I don't actually know kind of how it started <clears throat> in, like insofar as I don't know how how I decided to do it I've, I remember you know baking with my mother but not a huge amount yeah and then I was li I was 16 when I was in Leaving Cert Jeez, so that's very young isn't it and you know I would have been I was turning 17 in the September that you would have been starting college so for a while I wanted to be I wanted to join the cadets <laughs> yeah and uh you know but was that a big part of your life? So growing up, like, like the, I suppose the, the cadets. No, <laughs> the, the cooking at home and stuff. Well, no, like they're always. My mum worked at home. Like you know, she she worked full time at home, and I say she worked because she still does. Yeah. You know, it's not like uh, she's she does a huge amount of work in the house. So she was always there at lunchtime, at dinner time, and there was always there was always hot food, hot meal ready for us. There was never a heat this thing up because she was gone out. She was always there. Yeah. When we came home from school, unless something strange was up but um i know it yeah, was the was same it, actually you know if there, if you didn't have a dinner cooked at home there was something up you know definitely yeah you know and f for my mum not to be there was a bit you know it was a monumental thing anyways how did it start like i'd cook i'd help her a small bit with baking but not you know it wasn't like a, you hear some people who are chefs saying that they have fond memories of sitting with their grandmother or with their mother doing stuff it wasn't like that and i think when i told them that's what i wanted to do they were kind of shocked because I didn't really know what I want. I wanted to do, and I think sixteen, seventeen—it's very, very young to know what you're going to do for the rest of your life. Anyway, I've, you know, I'd, I'd gone to all the open days at colleges for other things. You know, I was going to become, as I said, I was going to be a cadet. I was going to be a solicitor. I was going to be a pharmacist. All these truck driver for years. Really? Yeah, but then I did this. I did this. I had a, an interview with CERT. That's what it, what it was back then. I don't know if it's changed now. And off I went. Where did you study? So. First year I was in Sligo and you worked two days a week. Sorry, you were two days a week in college. The rest of the week you were out working. Like I was just turned 17 and I was getting money off cert for going in for two days. Nice. And I was getting a wage. And I would never, you know, I was away from home. You must have been a rock star. Oh, I said I went bananas. <laughs> I went bananas. No, I didn't. Yeah, I went bananas. Was it a good introduction? Was the course, was it a good course? It was like the second year we got sent to Galway, which is five days a week. 
and they had a lot more like they were RTCs back then that's what they were called they had a lot more facilities than the one in Galway but you know we I found when I went there that these people had the the students that we were mixed with had been in f- five days a week education um for, for the first year as well and they were almost they had no real experience of what it was like they were doing part-time work but no real experience what it, what it was like on the front lines as it were whereas i was only two days in school the rest of the, the week you're out working and once you went in after the initial couple of weeks of being okay we, we we accept the fact that you're new to this and you're very young that like it's either put up or shut up it's one of those jobs you have to be able to you have to be able to work on the fly this the introduction periods are very very short you have a like you're shown things and you have a limited amount of time to pick them up and sink or swim a lot of time which is the best way mm. because you're never going to learn from you won't learn it in a class especially you know. in cooking as well you know you have to do it it just seems such a like a maniacal industry to work in you know you just see like it's probably a very stressful thing and it is a good it's a good um introduction to it if you are thrown in at the deep end very early then you can kind of go okay this is for me or this isn't for me yeah like it's a lot different now i remember like i used to get battered around the place and get called every name under the sun like you get walloped and kicked and you know really, like oh, you physical would, yeah, physical. not in every place now it's like it's a lot better now than what it was and that was the, it was the mentality back then like and you make it makes it sound like it's years and years ago it is to a certain degree because you know i'm you know i'm in my i'm in my 30s now we won't, we, you don't even need my exact age <laughs> nearly 40 <laughs> i'm not nearly 40 but um you well, know you'll be 38 in september yeah you? it's different nowadays and it's good that it's different nowadays that whole that whole thing of get them in abuse people beat the shit out of them you know treat them like dogs all that made all that you learned from that was when you became older and you be, had the position of responsibility i found i found myself doing it you bec- you went from the victim to the bully yeah you know because now you have a crack you're cracking the whip you learned that behavior like. you learned that behavior and yeah. like you obviously learn how to cook as well and all that but like the way it was and as i, I like it wasn't in every place yeah. but it was it was silly what was going on. It was it was bullying. Where did know? that mentality come from? That kind of drill sergeant mentality. Oh, it's the stress, and you know because the the stress, it's the long hours. Like it's you know we're sitting here, we're close to one another, but like you're working so along. So close. So close. <laughs> like if we were, you know, we're, if we were here all day in this this space, yeah, yeah, and this was a job, you'd get on each other's nerves. Mm. You know, if you like, you have a screen there. I'm like, you know, I, you know, if we were in an office like this this at, with this within this proximity you'd get annoyed with each other yeah. but then when it's this heat this pressure because you know there's orders coming in the, or, the food has to go out and then you'd be working alongside someone like physically you're much closer to them you know this it does create a pressure it, it creates a yeah. pr- it's a pressure cooker yeah you know because you're normally uh, not uh, not all kitchens will have windows you're under fluorescent lighting um you're standing all day long did you it's ever at the start was there any part of you when you kind of were introduced to it in the early days did you go god i can't do this or was oh it? jesus yeah yeah like there was times like you kind of feel that it was oh this is very rock and roll although you didn't have a clue it just felt like this is it's wild you don't know what's going to happen next but um how long how, how long have you been chefing so i guess I, I was in school i was working part-time part-time in, in, in a kitchen okay and then you were, you were doing the dogs, the dogs work. Yeah. Like, which is everyone's, Eating. not even that, you were scrubbing pots. Okay. You yeah. were carrying bags at least, you'd peel, 
potatoes, you'd peel carrots, you'd you'd wash lettuce, you'd um all very important jobs someone has to do them. Yeah, yeah. That's what I think if anyone if I start in a new place or if a new kitchen porter starts, I always go out of my way to make friend, friends with them. Okay. Because it's you know, they're the people they're like a huge backbone of your kitchen. You know, it's like it's like a series of cogs. If one cog breaks, now yeah. they might be smaller cogs in the big machine, but all those small cogs add up. I suppose you could say that for a lot of different industries, you know. It's and like it's because they're someone has to do the the donkey yeah, work. And so they're to speak. doing the donkey work, and it's tough going. Like it's nice to be nice to people. Like to well, it's good, yeah, to, to even to to build that sense of appreciation to someone. Kind yeah. of does. I appreciate what you're doing. I've been there. I've washed. I worked in places where, I'd, you know, you'd come in in the morning, you do the prep. You'd serve a lunch. You do the pots and pans and the plates. You go on a break, then you come back to do another a dinner service. Then you're washing the pots and the plates as you go, doing it all yourself. It's tough going. You how long did it take you to acclimatize to the the time demand? You know, because I I remember when you were working in a in a restaurant in town. I remember you'd be like you'd be on early in the morning, then you'd like might have a a break from three to five, which kind of useless to you if you don't live in the city, and then you're back in till whenever it closed. And this was kind of a regular well, that was five days a week doing that kind of those kind of shifts a lot like how long does it take to climatize you just it's not one of those you just do you just do okay. you just do you just you just do like some places don't have split shifts other places would might have two splits and then the rest are straight shifts i've worked in places where there's no splits but it's all straights i've worked in places where it's all splits you just do you know there has to be a reason you know people would say to you in an interview process that or they're going to take you on and say, look, there's five splits, but your pay will be refle- will reflect that, you know. But their definition of reflecting the amount of hours you're doing and what's 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 justifiable, what's justifiable are two <laughs> different things. <laughs> Polar opposites, I imagine. Yeah. In some regard. As regards hours, I w- I was working. I worked. I moved to Dublin, and I worked in a place called Peacock Alley, where it would Conor Gallagher was the owner. Like I learned so much, and having his name, his restaurant on my CV. You know, it made it was it opened a lot of doors for me. But Jesus, I thought I could work hard before I went in there. I be you start working there, you'd be in there by a quarter to eight, and you'd be working straight through till it could be eleven, half eleven at night. Jesus, like there was no defined break, there was no set break time. If there was, if you were up to speed with what you need, where you needed to be, you maybe could go for a coffee at four o'clock. But that was just it wasn't going home. It was just out and going two doors down to the cafe next door. <coughs> excuse me um like that was t- i remember when i worked when i moved there first like i was wearing closed over safety shoes you know like regular shoes yeah yeah and my f- my feet just puffed up they went white because you're in in the kitchen was underground the fucking heat was yeah. bananas yeah and um what temperature actually just the, just before we move on what temperature? it could be in the 30s and, and higher last summer must have been a nightmare the really hot summer it, like it was and it wasn't but you, you the where i'm working now we've got there's a back door open okay and with a you know it has a fly screen so you can have the doors open the windows open with screens on them so uh, you can get air circulating but this place was underground the kitchen was underground in this place in dublin and there was no it, like there was no opening the door because the door opened onto a um onto the street basically yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so the heat was bananas the and the hours, you know, I'd never work. I'd worked hours, long hours, but this was all new to me. This is five and six days a week. And it was a kind of a catch-22. You you weren't getting paid that much, but you know, time to spend the money anyways. Because yeah. <laughs> on my day off, literally. Plus you didn't have the internet, so you couldn't order 400 CDs out no, of Amazon. <laughs> there was no internet. 
there was um so most of the money was either on savings and i then i invested a lot of the money in um what you'd say oh who are they uh bulmers and uh <laughs> and um, it's a v perhaps no no a lot of the money was invested in bulmers and marlborough <laughs> and um people like that those companies you need to unwind though man i can imagine and this wasn't unwinding this was you know that's what this, this there's this kind of thing that oh chefs are mad you know they're they're out drinking the whole time but it's not that they're out they're not it's that's that's ridiculous talk you've got a, a good a bunch of people it doesn't matter if they're girls or girls or both men or women you know i would say there's six of them working in the kitchen and you spend from half eight in the morning to maybe 10 or 11 at night together all day and you could have had and you don't not let's not everyone likes each other you know yeah they, they still will go like sheep to a pub afterwards because it's they've all experienced this thing of the pressure of 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 a food service a lunch and dinner service and then it's an unwinding thing, and because by the time you're getting into a pub, getting out to a pub, it's there's not much time left. It's get as many drinks in as quick as possible. Yeah, and then plus you're younger as well. You know, I was a lot younger back then. Yeah. And a lot younger. A lot younger. <laughs> and and you you drink like a fish. Yeah. You go home. You'd fall into bed, and you'd be up the next day, and you'd be doing it again because the, the morning would be fueled with thirty coffees. Yeah, yeah. I know that's an exaggeration, but you know what I mean. <laughs> it was fueled with dirty rasher sandwiches and coffees. And then everyone's in the same boat. Yeah. You know, you'd be people falling in the door that looked like looked like they've been pulled through the gutter. But yeah. you'd all look like that. Yeah. And these this is a high end restaurant. This place had a Michelin star. Wow. You know. So but then once like there was no t- you had about five minutes of oh jeez, I'm dying. Like the fucking list of work you're on. still yeah. had to be done. In terms know? of chef grading, Jules, I know you say you probably qualify. So I presume you qualify from the course or whatever as a trained chef, you know. Yeah. Like, and then the grades of chef from like uh, uh, I don't know, like from from starting at the bottom to like head chef. Is there any like is there any kind of continuous exams or is it does it all depend on your experience? Like experience. It should, like it would be like I think it, like. You know, there's always courses you can go and do. You know, you kind of come out as a, as a junior commie and then it's all the way up to executive chef, executive head chef. And that job, whilst those fellas could be wearing designer suits to work, you know, and not. And if they do put on a chef jacket, they're wearing slacks and a designer chef jacket. They might be getting their hands dirty, but it's still a tough job mm. because, you know, if you think of like, you know, a big fancy hotel or a big fancy restaurant that has. Well, having it, like the executive head chef's name would be above it, or in a hotel in particular, you know, like, like that'd be like the Gordon Ramsay of the world. And yeah, like you know, where it's, you know, a top end hotel with a top end restaurant, and it'll say the the whatever the restaurant is called, and the executive head chef is Mister X, for example. You know, <clears throat> I'm sure he's getting a big wage. He or she, they're getting a big wage packet, but like they have all the stress of. It's in the keeping caring, the quality, keeping yeah. the quality, yeah. and um, because it, it's a standard, and if it's a chain of hotels, something like, say, you know, the Sheraton, one of those, like, you know, the one down a photo, that's a swanky enough place, you know. There's a st- like, there's a standard that people expect going into these places, and if it's not met, like, like the the shit rolls down the hill very quickly. Yeah, yeah. You know, so it's a tough old job, you know. Like where I'm now, I'm a head, she- I'm a head chef. Okay. But then the owner is still there, and he's a chef as well. Okay. So, like, I have a lot of responsibilities, but um, 
do you develop the menus and stuff is it are your ideas used um or? it's a lot of brainstorming he did the final say and that's i'm i'm totally fine with that because it's his name above the door he signs the checks yeah he's paying the rent he's you know mm. but um you have to have some input otherwise you know you're just like a it's almost like an art in, its, in some ways, you know. It is, and it, it is, and it isn't, you know. But you have to have an input because you will have all these ideas. You're in the in the environment the whole time, and. Um, but yeah, if you're cooking something that you generally you, aren't behind, if you hate it, you're then you won't put as much effort in. If you're yeah. cooking something you think looks like and tastes like shit, you know, it's going to be hard to get. Although you have to be professional, it's still hard to be motivated to every day to do it. Yeah. As well as as it should be done. Okay. So twenty years, Julian has um has there been different trends in the restaurant market? Like you know, has have have eating habits changed? You know, with the recession and stuff, it's probably maybe people probably want better prices or whatever. It's probably economically driven, or is there any like socially driven stuff? Do people expect more organic food on on menus now, or have you seen? Oh yeah, a change. You would, you would totally. Um, let me see. Um, like when. When I was working in Dublin, I suppose that was the start of, like, what people, you know, what you'd call the Celtic Tiger. Although I left, I don't have any saucers of milk outside my door. I know cat came <laughs> scratching, give me loads of money. But anyway, you know, that's when, you know, you, back then it was all high-end everything, you know. And even when I moved to Cork, you know, it was all high-end. I'm in Cork over 20, no, hang on a second. I moved to Cork when I was... 19 so i'm here nearly 20 years so maybe i'm doing this more than 20 years 20 something years i'm working in the kitchens Jeez. anyway you know it was all high-end stuff it was all loin of lamb it was all the only steak you'd see on, on like i'm not talking about every type of restaurant mm. but a lot of the restaurants would be fillet steak and a, a big fat ass uh, strip loin and it'd be foie gras and it would be um the best of wines and it would be the caviar in some places and it would be lobsters and crayfish and fresh prawns and oysters and scallops all the way. And people had the money, so that's what they wanted. But now, now that it's it's not like that anymore, yeah, although yeah. people say it's coming back. The saucers of milk are still out <laughs> and people say it's coming back. Now people are going for cheaper cuts of meat a lot of the time, which are great because when you, if you're cooking a steak a really really good steak there's only so you don't want to mess with it there's only so much you can do with it because it's so expensive people don't want it messed with but if you're cooking like a cheaper cut of meat um you can do a lot more it takes a lot more skill to get to bring something like that up to the level of of what of people's expectations mm. so it's enjoyable cooking stuff like that and it's good to the people the people are are interested in eating these kind of things and it's cheaper for if like not just eating out i don't eat out at all i'm ne like yeah, yeah. never due to um, a probably load, don't have time i don't have time a few different reasons why i don't eat out but i i i would never be buying the fancy stuff for for the house you know unless it's a special occasion but even then because i know what i'm looking for it's easy to say it and do it when you know what you're doing and know what you're looking for but eating ha eating habits have changed as regards economics people want er, want as much as they can for as little as they can and that's the same in, in every kind of business in celtic tiger time did people did the quality ever dip in places did people not really care you know that everyone had loads of money or whatever and that you could just i wouldn't say the quality dipped but people were paying, paying a lot a, more a lot more for nothing you know you know suddenly people were paying for you know a slice of a small piece of bread 
with a semi-sundry tomato and a shaving of parmesan and a little leaf of basil mm. and some and a trickle of olive oil that will be tarted up in such a way at the end of the day you're getting a fucking toasted sandwich <laughs> yeah. it's tomato and bread Toma- like and, but people are like wow yeah look at this look the parmesan is shaved <laughs> You know, <laughs> so am I. <laughs> yeah, you know, I remember the first time I had a, a sun-dried tomato. I thought it was horrible, yeah, yeah. and then I'd never seen parmesan before. You know, it's it's just people. It's not that people were throwing their money away. They were. It was like this cost this much, therefore it is good. The people buy into it. Oh that, yeah, totally. Into the kind of pompous nature of it. Totally, totally bought into the pompous nature of it. Now, don't get me wrong. You know, it's it's. I'm not ca- like it's easy to paint everything with the one brush yeah, say. everything was overcharging but no a lot of there was a lot of that going on that there was the customer we say didn't fully understand what they were unless there was a, there's always people who were who were eat out the whole time and they know their sausages from their kippers we say <laughs> but you know there'd be people who have money now and they'd be in these places and they'd say uh, I don't know what I'm after getting you know the, you, yeah, you could yeah. see them talking amongst themselves at the table I don't know what this is but it's after it cost me twenty two pounds, you know, <laughs> and or twenty five pounds. It's savage. Do you like it? I think it tastes like shit. <laughs> but um, it's it's so it's very expensive. But it has to be good, you know. Yeah, man. People, I think that it it kind of did drive that pompous element to it, and that's the kind of part that I probably resent the most is that that air that I don't know. That I didn't really appeal to me that much, but it's kind of good to see people going back to the. The cheaper stuff and the, yeah, the more yeah, wholesome yeah, yeah. stuff. Like this, and there's nothing wrong with like, you know, there's nothing wrong with those cheaper cuts at all because there's always more flavor in those. Something that has fat in it and gristle in it mm. and a bit of a bone in it is always going to have more flavor than a fillet. If you're talking about a piece of beef, for example, yeah, it's always going to have more flavor in that mm. than what it be in the, the prime cut. Okay, like and prime cut is lovely, but there's more flavor in in you know shin down at the shin of a beef yeah of 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 a cut of beef then <laughs> the shin of a beef <laughs> you know the shin <laughs> cut of beef or whatever yeah over the the fillet steak yeah restaurant would you would you ever hope to open your own restaurant here? it's one of those things i think a lot of the reason why i haven't done it is because I, I, i'd be nervous i'd be scared yeah. you know i'm always i'm a i can be quite pessimistic you know i'm more of a you know i'd rather be a slightly surprised pessimist than a disappointed optimist <laughs> So you're playing it extra safe. Yeah, I play it extra safe to my own detriment. You know, people well, I know. Because you have a family and stuff, man, I suppose. You know, I have, a, I have a family. God bless them. And, uh, um, you know, it's it's a big risk, you yeah, know. Yeah. It's a huge risk. And more power to the people who take those risks. Yeah. And it goes well for them. You know, I'd, if. It must take huge initial investment. It, it, it does. But it, it's one of those things that. You know, it's five or six years before you, you could be seeing money out of it, and it, and it, then you'd be back to the crazy hours, and you could, you don't mind it as such because it's your it's your own thing you're doing, but then you never. I see would your like kids. you never see your kids, and I would like. It's one of those things. There's definitely a big part of me that would like it. The and I was very close to um. I was formal. I was putting together the ideas last year, and I just I chickened out again. Really. So whether or not I'll do it remains to be seen, but. I would like to. Short answer, yes. Would you open in a city or a, um, a town or a city? <laughs> the the advantages of opening a city is there's huge footfall. Mm. The disadvantage is there's forty other places around you. And rates, I the imagine. rates would be bananas. Whereas yeah. if you open a small town, you could be, you know, you'd have to be doing something, 
you'll have to strike a chord with the the local populace yeah you know if you do something that they don't like it doesn't matter how good it is in your eye in your eyes if they don't like it they're not going to come in the door and uh, what you need is people come in the door say like buying whatever you're making and then going out and telling telling their work colleagues or family and friends i was in such and such a place i had a, everything i had was lovely you know you have to get the balance right of everything it's not just about me being able to go in and make a, a really good product yeah it has to be the whole experience yeah making the thing it because that's what i do that's what i'm good at making the thing is should be easy enough but marketing marketing yeah because you're a chef but you're not so much a business person oh maybe. yeah seven and two is 23 you know <laughs> <laughs> you know i'd be if there was someone else's but money you can't you can knock yourself for that either because you know it, i think <clears throat> I, I, I wouldn't have a great business acumen that's why i'd need someone you know there i, I would want somebody who could who could although i'd have always have an i'd have an eye in the books yeah. but i'd need someone who would you know steer the ship s- steer, in a sense. steer the ship that away mm. you know i'd know what to charge i'd know what like i'd know what i'd feel would work you know that part should be easy for me the the um it's the other side with the the, the bit the main the business part of it could be a kicker it, it is a kicker you know what happens with restaurants man and this has happened numerous times you know like a restaurant will open up and it'll do great and, and it'll be really successful but then there it's happened in numerous places where there's an obvious drop in quality and the people just kind of go, oh, this isn't as good as it was, you know. And because it's it's very do people get complacent. They or? completely get complacent. It's very easy to, you know, if you get never, we won't not completely ignore the the actual logistics of setting up a place. If you have a place open and you hit with a big, a big wow factor, and people are like, this is great, you know, it's very easy to to become complacent, and then after a year to two, or a year whatever, two years, you know, find yourself in a groove. And then rest in your laurels. Mm. And I'm not ta- saying that you should, that you'd need to imagine you're open a year, you're, the place is, is, is doing really well. That, okay, now we're doing really well now and keep them coming back. We need to do something completely different. You always need to be improving. You always need to be questioning, what can I do better? You know, mm. it, you, like you need feedback from, from the people, the customers you have coming in the door. You always should try and... Um, find a way to improve if you're just serving bread and bread and jam and you know you've 100 people a day coming in for your bread and jam you need to be thinking how can i get 150 in here and how can i make that 100 who are coming in come in twice a day you know yeah so complacency is a thing that you've so like it, it, it it's a huge factor people they get to where their initial goal was mm. and then it's like what to to maintain that that standard and then to keep going up is yeah. the I suppose, con- I suppose that that happens in all walk all types of business totally. you know, that continuously ch- change your goals and once you get to a certain something else you you target something else and but yeah man but you it, it's 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 funny because some restaurants you'll see an obvious drop in quality in food as well you know and she's oh, i don't go to a lot of restaurants but you even know from yourself being around that someone will say that's oh that place used to be savage and now it's crap you know well that's because it could be the same menu mm. there could be you don't know what it's like working in there there could be you you know it could be a different team completely you know people coming and going because it's one of those jobs where that um it's transient yeah there's always people coming and going in kitchens and you you need to have the same core team if your core team or if that's fluctuating loads then it's it's always going to be different and then people behind the scenes you know there could be a hundred people going in the door every day for whatever size restaurant we say a small restaurant 
and you might think sure look at that place is always packed we don't know what their rates are you don't know what else is going on in the place and suddenly they're like okay i'm gonna have to cut i was getting getting stuff from this supplier but look there's another person who can supply me something nearly as good for a lot cheaper mm. so then cutting corners once you start cutting corners you start with a square you see <laughs> and once you end up with a sphere then you know you're on bother <laughs> that's the square to fear the square to sphere concept by yeah. Julia Gorman but man consistency is another thing because there's a, a little Italian place in town Italy you know that it's, it's on Oliver Plunkett Street and I've eaten in there a few times and man if you go in and ask for a fucking whatever a, a sandwich with a salad if you went in there today and went in three months from now, it's going to be the exact same, you know, that it's going to be the same salad, See, the same dressing. <coughs> and it's like you know, some places you go into and you might a day later go in and you might get a completely different type of salad. It's just kind But of that's why places like McDonald's and Burger King work, yeah. because you could go in anywhere around the world, you know, and it's and going to taste the same. It's going to be the same thing. It's going to be the same size chips. It's going to be the same burger with the same, you know, that's what why these people places are so successful. You know, never mind all the gimmicks they'll run and then they might have an ethnic menu and you know, if they were somewhere in Mumbai, for example. Or, you know, that's how these places work because people you know, your money is important to you. And if you six fifty for your lunch <coughs> sorry, excuse me. I have a cold, that's why I sound like this. You know, if you six fifty for your lunch and that you can go out twice a week and if you go to go to the place one day and you hand over your money and you get something that you really like and you go back there the next like two days later and it's it's not as good but it's uh, yeah you're not going to keep coming back no because you're bursting your ass for your money you know so it has consistency is the thing you know you, a place can't become complacent it doesn't matter wh- how nice it is if the consistency isn't there you know yeah. if you find you go in there one day and you get you know like the portion is after getting a little bit smaller and then you go in again and the portion is after getting smaller again for the same price, you know, you're not going to be going back. You know, con- consistency is a huge thing. That's why, that's another point. I was about to launch. Go on, go, no, launch. You don't have to. <laughs> no, consistency is the key. <laughs> Do you teach as well, no, Jules? There's a, where I, I worked in Bandon and um, there's a, we've started a, a cookery close course there. We, we did them about six or seven years ago and they were block block classes where you go five weeks and it was the same group of five weeks now the last class is on tonight and next tuesday i'm not actually doing them because i have another engagement mm. but um yeah so there'd be a two or a three hour class do you enjoy that element i i really like it it's a lot of work getting set up number one why i like it because it breaks the week you know it's yeah. something different and then it's it's enjoyable you can get you could like there'd be 18 in the class and it's it's like a demonstration they're they're not actually cooking but they taste everything we make and you know it's probably it, less stressful as well than it no like it's there's a lot of work because you have to have the here's one i made earlier so you could have you could be doing one thing and you have to show there could be four or five stages to what you're doing so you have to have it prepared the whole different thing ready to go in the different stages that you bring out and show them and work and show them how you're doing it it's good it's good when you've got people there who are who are there because they're interested not because they're there like for the sake of it for the sake of it like you get it like when it started out there were people coming on because they were curious and word of mouth spread and they're like you get a huge amount of food because you taste everything we do there could be seven or eight dishes and 
it is enjoyable when you and it's enjoyable when you get feedback where you repeat customers and, and they'll meet you downtown and say i did this and it worked out or i did this and it didn't work out what did i do wrong you know that interaction is great and when you get when you people asking you questions there's no such thing as a stupid question you know i know that everyone says that but there isn't ask a question yeah, you know if don't you don't be know it, don't be afraid ask the question because you know i know the thing and sometimes i say this to we say this to all the people coming in um stop us at any point and ask a, ask us a question because we're doing it the whole time we might we might um breeze through something that we would think is very straightforward but if you've never done it before it's not straightforward so ask away so yeah i really do enjoy it you know i like it i like when you when you people as the class goes on the class opens up you know when they come in they're very quiet and an hour into it like you can have a joke with them you can like everyone's relaxed it's lovely to have that comfort level yeah do you use it as a testing ground for new no no not for recipes for the no 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 restaurant. they're okay. they're never nothing goes out will go out till it's 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 uh, tried and tested okay uh, we'll be the guinea pigs you know then it might get a few tweaks for two or three weeks while it's been on a menu but um you wouldn't just go right i've decided i'm going to do this and then put it on or put it into a class situation because you just wouldn't Julian, I might take a quick break here because I, I think um, we might move away from the topic of restaurants and target um, food as a whole. I know you're a few things to say about that, so I'll talk to you in a sec. ham in the meadow actually this is recording what ham in the meadow <laughs> then ham sandwich in the meadow oh right you mean like a picnic <laughs> yeah well i suppose i grew up a, work, a meadow working on the farm so i often had a, a field a field <laughs> meadow well if you were i, I did it all this <clears throat> no leaving in you yeah, like ham <laughs> there's okay. a few people that don't like ham <laughs> but we shouldn't mention them because the they ham could. the ham haters you well no like they might get us what? Them boys don't like the ham. The ham haters. Julian, we're back. That's fucking... Right. Um, just we'll touch on the cooking thing there again just before uh, we move on to food as a, in general or whatever. But um, cooking in the home, Julian, has it become a lost art with the age of ready meals? and what It hasn't, it hasn't. Ready meals, schmeddy meals. You know, it's rubbish. Mm. It's Processed foods, you're not into it. Um. You know, food must go through some form of processing, and I don't mind that. And there are some, like, there's a lot of really good ready meals out there. And if you're got buying a ready meal and it's really cheap, then Something you get what you pay for. Yeah, yeah. Like, there's some very good um, ready ready made stuff out there that, that you, you know you just, you heat it in a pot or whatever, and they're fine. Some of them, like Marks and Spencer's, some of that ready stuff is good. But in general, no matter how good it is. It's not going to be the same as if you do it yourself, you know. Mm. I know if it's if you buy some, if you buy a ready-made meal and it has a long shelf life date, you know, a best before of say two to three weeks on it, you should be questioning it straight away, yeah. because. And if if you if the first ingredient on the list on the back, <clears throat> excuse me, isn't what it says is on the front of the packet, for example, if it's a chicken curry. 
and the first ingredient on the back of the thing isn't chicken, then I'll be throwing it back. <laughs> what could it be? Some other shit. <laughs> E four hundred and twelve. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is it important to you to cook at home? So, it is. Like I'm there. I I'm off Mondays and Tuesdays, and then I could be there for dinner on Friday evening, or you know, or I'm or on a Saturday if I have a long split. It is. It is because you know it's I I like cooking, but I really like eating, and not just you know, not just to to satisfy an appetite. I like I like the the process of eating. I like sitting down i like putting food in my mouth <laughs> i like eating i really do you're you're a chunky chunky boy i am my whole chunky <laughs> inside i meant to say does the chunky go trying to get out yeah 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 no I, I do like eating i like the act of eating do you yes so do you so you do cook a lot at home yes and would you prepare for the week if you're not working i would a bit yeah, yeah. this morning before i left i made pizza though this morning really yeah and and then I, I waited around for the first rising and I froze half of it and I've, it's, it's in balls in the fridge ready to go. Why didn't you bring any up here to me? Because you're probably on some fat diet. <laughs> you brought biscuits. What biscuits did you bring? Oatmeal biscuits. Because <laughs> no matter what what's, diet... What's the first ingredient on the back of the head if it's not oatmeal? Biscuits! <laughs> it's not oatmeal. Throw them out the door. Biscuits are different. So, um... Okay, let's, you know the way farmers markets and supermarkets, I know you're kind of passionate about this, um, there's a, a, a huge shift it seems, well maybe it's not huge but a lot of people seem to gravitate towards buying food in farmers markets um, as opposed to supermarkets, um, say do, uh, what's your feeling on it and do supermarkets get a bad rap in your opinion? Like there's no point, we'll talk, like to talk about something like that it'd just be me personally not but about this is opinions things the, so. like not where nothing got to do with industry you know the industry i work in you know farmers markets are great what i don't like about farmers markets is these <clears throat> there's a an always a sanctimonious air to not all of the people there but there be people there whose basket is made out of sheep fur and seaweed <laughs> you know and it's like i buy everything in the farmers market and i support all the local growers whoop de do I'm delighted for you. Mm. I, bu- I buy some stuff in the farmer's market. But I also buy in the supermarkets. And I'm supporting how many people's jobs? How many farmers? The supermarkets get a bad name because they're like, oh, look, they're mass buying and then they're packaging it and they're pa- spending money on packaging and they're spending money on all these fluorescent lights. And, you know, it's all done up to look the best and it's not real. Horse shit. <laughs> of course it's real. What I don't like about supermarkets is when they have these deals at Christmas where you buy a, buy a bag of cars for five cents. That's completely wrong. Yeah. You know, that's, that's wrong. There's no way in any way that's right because someone is taking a cut in that. It'd be guaranteed it's not a supermarket taking a cut in that. Mm. It's the, the, the grower, the farmer in wherever, in the countryside, mm. that's taking a, taking a hit on that because they still need their product on the shelves. Like, supermarkets are, like, you know, if you do your, a weekly shopping at one of those, whatever amount of people, it costs so much money. You know, it's cheaper than buying stuff over at, at a market. I still buy stuff in a farmer's market because I like to support these things as best I can. But I've no problem with the supermarkets. People say they exploit, they do this, do that. They don't. They, how many people do they give jobs to directly and indirectly? Mm-hmm. If we all stop shopping in a supermarket, the fella packing the shelves 
working on the tills, they've lost their job. The person driving the truck to get the stuff to the supermarket has lost their job. The person in the packaging plant has lost their job. And the, the person growing the thing, this is just talking about food, veggies, fruit and veg in particular, yeah. they've lost income, which in the f- will in turn, like it's a, it's a domino effect. Now it's great to go and su- to, to support small growers because if you don't buy stuff off them, they won't, they'll lose their livelihood as well. But it is not black and white. There's no black and white saying that they're evil corporations. They're not. They're not. They're providing a service. Mm. You know, you don't have to go in there yeah. if you feel strongly enough about it that you don't want to go in there. You don't buy all local. That's great. But a lot of the supermarkets now are promoting that they're buying as as much local as possible. You can't get everything locally. You know, some stuff has to come from afar. That's another thing. I'm not going to go into supermarket because this supermarket because they get their bananas from from uh, the Dominican Republic. Where are they supposed to get their bananas from? Look out the window. I don't see any banana trees growing out there. <laughs> maybe that's maybe it's the, the the whole choice thing. Are we kind of spoiled for choice these days? You know, sh- <laughs> like sh- is, is has it just become too commonplace now where food is being shipped around the world willy nilly just because people go oh yeah well i want the pineapple in december you know okay so you're talking about should you only get what's in season yeah and have what's in season within your own area that's a very valid point mm. you know but we live in an island where we're, we're dependent on exporting stuff mm. and importing stuff mm. so where do you draw the line yeah you know do you say <coughs> i'm only going to get i'm only going to eat and buy the product the the produce that's in my area but where do you draw the line you mm. know yeah like what's that in front of you yeah mm. you know yeah we're talking into microphones we're talking to microphones that weren't made in malifornia you know i'm that's a that's a mac like that's like that's made up the road but the idea the main person who's getting the money from that is sure shit don't live here <laughs> you know like i what's great about like i'd be very I'd, as much as possible i try and buy stuff that that'd be fair trade that like because although I don't know 100% all the way down to the, the, the grassroots, does the money reach the farmer? I like to think that it does. Mm. You know, that's, I think that's good. If there's someone like, you know, who'd be, who, who's selling, who's growing bananas and it's in the fair trade system, then I think that should be supported because we live all the way over here. They live all the way over there. They're dependent on, on countries like us buying their stuff, mm. you know, because if they weren't, they wouldn't be exporting it. It'd be all for their, the local populace over there. I suppose it is just good to be some way conscious of it. On it some is. Level, it's good you know? to know where, where you're buying stuff from. I wouldn't buy, if you buy, like, like, I don't think you should be buying, if you can't trace back where it's from, then you shouldn't be putting it into your mouth. You know? Like, you wouldn't, if I walked up to you on the street and I, and I gave you something, you don't know what it is, and I say, <laughs> have a chew on that. You know? You're, like, you should be saying, what is it? Where is it from? Yeah. You know, can you tell me? It's for my pocket. It's like, can you can you trace it back? Like traceability is important, but I do believe that you know you should like that the whole like a fair trade system is great. Oxfam set up the whole fair trade. Well, I don't, they, I do, I can't say they set it up, but you know, you see Oxfam fair trade coffee. You know, I'd have no problem with that. You know, mm. or the when you see that whole fair trade symbol, to me, I take that a badge of trust i can trust that badge mm. you know if there was a fella down the road growing bananas and growing pineapples and growing coffee beans then i'd be 
go you down straight to, down to Shawnee. I'll, come here now, Sean. I'll have two bananas, one of those pineapples, and a bag of your finest coffee. <laughs> but unfortunately, that's not it how just it is. Work, yeah, yeah. You know, I I've had this conversation with people like, oh man, we shouldn't be importing. We should we should only eat what we grow here, smoking our rollies, cigarettes. You know, mm. drinking a glass of wine, drinking it. You know. It, it doesn't grow here. That doesn't mean that it's not evil. Yeah, yeah. But if you go out and you get the cheapest thing you can and because it's, and you know, and you don't care where it's come from, that's your own choice. You should know what you're, what you're getting, mm. you know. Mm. You should find out where it's come from. There's nothing, the people are getting back to the whole economic thing. People now are a lot more conscious of where does stuff come from. Is it, is it ethically grown? It's down to ethics now. People are, 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 are more concerned about the whole Eth- ethical side of their food and that's that is a definite good thing yeah yeah it's good to be conscious of it but i heard a story recently um a, a guy i used to work with went to the uk um he's a tillage farmer as well you know he's f- but um he went to the um, to the uk to visit a massive farm blah 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 but a farmer had like possibly like i don't remember the exact sums but like maybe 10 acres of broccoli and the price had gotten so low for broccoli it wasn't worth him uh, harvesting it. So he just plowed it all back in, just rotivated it and just, it was like, there was 20 acres of, or 10 acres of food there, you know, that was just. That's how it is, unfortunately. Economically, but so it's like, so, it's fine to say, so it like, if, super, if supermarkets are bringing in good produce, Irish produce, that's fine. But if they're driving the price to a, a point where it's become unviable for someone to harvest it, then that's, sure that's, that's ridiculous. crazy like yeah. that's kind of touches on the thing <coughs> excuse me what, what was happening at christmas and what happens every christmas you'll have like that we won't you don't have to name any supermarkets everybody knows the names of the supermarkets exactly you know where you get a bag of cards for five cent that's that's wrong yeah yeah there's no on no way is that right because and then these fellas are saying if i don't if i don't sell their my cards then for say they're selling them for whatever you know three cents you know, or you know, however way it works, mm. but this huge cut, and I won't have my stuff on the shelves. There, like it's pe- there, there has to be a value to something. Mm. You know, food is it's one of the most important things. You know, it's it's a huge part of our lives, and you have to treat it with respect. Exactly. You know, yeah. you have to respect. You have to respect, and that's what going to a farmer's market. What I think is good is you're t- you're meeting the person who grows it, mm. the person who who catches it, the person who who if it's uh, um meat who might who might have slaughtered yeah, it, fair you know, yeah. and then in in the, uh, your local butcher, for example, they'll have slaughtered it, or you know it'll it'll be from from the field to to the counter, yeah, they can yeah. tell you the whole story about it, but that's what's I, I might be contradicting myself here, but. You know, because you don't always get that in the supermarket. No, I'm not saying. But there is traceability, and so <coughs> like a lot of the labelling now would have the farmer's name, like in yeah. particularly in chicken and stuff. But that, that 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 is that's that's very important. But um, I've lost my train of thought there now. Oh, like supermarket? No, no, supermarkets. Their whole system of farm to fork, that whole thing, that's very strict now. Ireland is one of the strictest strictest countries when it comes to that. They c- you can be guaranteed that they'll be able to tell you. Like what van it came in, you know, because it's all barcodes and batch numbers now. Like at work, we get a delivery of something, whether it's, you know, fruit, veg, fish, meat, whatever. You know, they, I'm able to, like you get a code with it and that code traces the back if it's like, if it's, um, 
if it's a piece of fish mm. you, you can trace back to what trawler came off you know so traceability is is has become a huge thing and it's all down to the ethics again yeah. you know if, if if you're dealing with people who have high ethics and strong morals in what they're doing then then you're always better off you, you, you'll be a lot you can sleep easy at night knowing that the thing that you, i came up to you on the street and you know it wasn't an anonymous, an anonymous piece of food. I can tell you, here and here's this ham sandwich. I can tell you what's in the whole lot from A to Z, yeah, yeah. and you'll feel a lot better eating it. Maybe it's not. I don't know. Maybe uh, probably a lot of the population don't even think about it. You know, maybe it's they just they do. It's a do lot. You, you get so? a lot more people now question stuff a lot more. Okay. Where's this from? Where you have to be able to tell them what's in it, uh, who who you bought, who you got it off, where you can give it to them. I suppose there's a lot of fear attached to selling food to people as well that, you know, well, if, like if people get sick from it. They're putting it into themselves. Yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah. Like, it's a f- it's fuel, you know? You Let's move on to music. Are you happy enough? Have you touched on all the design? I, I, one more thing about food. People should, you should learn how to cook at school. I think it's a thing. Yeah. It's a, it's a basic, it's an, it's a need. It's, it's a necessity. You should learn how to cook at school. It shouldn't be a, a, a thing that's an option. It should be mandatory. So it's great that you can at, at the end of the day you can leave school with whatever whatever the top points is we say 700 points and then you move out of home you go off to you go off to college and you're going to be um you're going to be a a, a, a brain surgeon and yeah a, a new uh, a neurosurgeon a neurosurgeon and a, and a heart maker <laughs> and, <laughs> and a heartbreaker a heart maker and a heartbreaker that's that's like that's brilliant i wouldn't have the the, the skill set for that yeah but then, if these people come home from college and back to their the squalor they're living in, and then what can they do? Open a tin of beans, like that's that's ridiculous. People are be, they're being, and a, a lot of it is down to the home as well. You know, people are, be, are leaving home; they're completely unequipped. It's a life skill. You know, if you pull up tomorrow now and you're getting on an airplane and they're throwing coal into the plane, you'd be saying, "What the fuck is going on here?" You know. <laughs> they don't put coal into the plane because they know that's not very efficient and it won't work. It's the same way with people. A, a, a person is a machine. They need, you know, if you put bad stuff in, the machine is going to work well. So you have to eat. You have to try and eat right. Mm. And also, like it's a, it's, 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 it's a very good skill to have to be able to cook because number one, if you're whining and dining a lady, <laughs> you know, and you say, "Not tonight, my love. I've opened the fancy beans." She's going to say. Shove your beans up your hole. <laughs> but if you say, now tonight, my love, I've made you a really good three-course meal. And it's, it's all, I handpicked the ingredients <laughs> myself. And I know where it all came from. And I put my heart and soul into it. She's going to say, this man has potential. Yeah. Because if you, can, if you can cook a lovely meal for a lady and make her laugh, then I'll tell you something. <laughs> you, what's your... What's your um, your best meal Jules what's the, what's your your go to the thing I make I, I don't really have a go to meal I, I find I make the same things every week I make a a, a lot of but say speciality of, if you were trying to f- impress someone no it'd be hard to know yeah you've like, got so many tools in your arsenal it's maybe. not it's not that it's just I'd make I make a, I, I cook a lot of rice and a lot of pasta okay and Actually, John had a question for you. If you were f- for I, your rice, would you use dalmio? I got this. He texted me that question. <laughs> dalmio or ragu? I've never, I've never bought dalmio. I've never bought ragu. Okay. And I never will. 
And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that, but it's not for me. Okay. It's so simple to make a tomato sauce, heifer and you gold bag, <laughs> that you, you just, <laughs> you know, that's, it's, I wouldn't, and for my rice, I wouldn't, no, you, you, he, he texted me that last night, and I, I was laughing on the couch, and I was I'd saying, say you'd make a good risotto, would you? I do, I make a good risotto. Mm. Risotto's lovely. You can bring it up for the next installment of the well, Julian It's more, interview. it's more jasmine rice I like. I really like jasmine rice. Okay. And something else about, what was I going to say? I don't know. Um, Food. Food. I love eating this. You know, I like how it tastes. Cook. One more thing. You know the way now it's like this, like there's a lot of cooking shows out there. There's a lot of people buying cooking books. Just because you watch MasterChef, just because you own the latest Heston Blumenthal book, you are not a fucking expert. <laughs> you know, that's a thing. Does People that annoy you a lot? Oh, it does. Yeah. Have an interest, you know. But I bought a, I bought a paintbrush and a bucket of paint and I painted the fence. I'm not Picasso. You know. That's, you know, oh, I, yeah, I think I'd be a great chef because I like eating and I like cooking. It all comes, what we were talking about earlier on, maintaining a standard. Going in there all day, every day, looking at someone's face who you hate. You, you might hate your co-worker yeah. and you're standing alongside them but it's a thousand degrees and everyone else is outside re and they're going, I'm going to the beach. What are you doing? I'm working! <laughs> what are you doing today? I'm working! I always work! <laughs> you're not an expert just because you've bought Jamie Oliver's latest book. You know? <laughs> Someone who comes into a restaurant goes, well, actually, my son is a chef. Is he? Are you a chef? No. Fuck off. <laughs> People's complaints are gone, are ridiculous now because it's all the information is there at hand. The internet is there at hand. Like it's everything is at their fingertips. They saw they, because they've read all this information. That doesn't mean they're they're, they're, they're an expert. I, I watch I watch the ER. I'm not George Clooney. I can't cut your leg off and sew it onto your face. <laughs> you know. I'm looking at the waveform here on this computer. You've got so loud. We've distort. I've distorted <laughs> it. You've broken. You know? <laughs> I broke the internet. You know, working as a chef is hard. It's a rewarding job. It's very, very hard. Well, if you make something from scratch and someone pays you, if you and they eat it and they leave happy, it's brilliant. If you want to make something at home and if my lovely wife and son are happy, it's very rewarding. Mm. You know, it's, it's, a, it's an old art form. Uh, not an art form. Is it an art form? I don't think it's an art form. Skill. It's an old skill mm. that takes a lot of patience a lot of graft but it's very very rewarding you know because i spoke earlier on we we're talking about how it's long hours but so people need to respect that you know i'm i'm glad that you're enthusiastic that someone else is enthusiastic about it and they come into where i work or it doesn't matter what, where i work they they come in and they they try the thing and they go yeah no i was watching jamie last night and he did this you know i would i would and you're told i would have done it differently or could you not try this yeah, you can try it. You can, of course. You can, you can. And you can stick it up your hole too for all I fucking care. <laughs> if you know so much about it, why don't you do it yourself? I'm just saying. Like, people, if you're making a lasagna, you do not need to, You like, because loads of people like lasagna and loads of people make lasagna. And you, you know you can get the, the white sauce in a jar. I've never had that. I never will have it. Learn how to cook. It's a very important thing, you know. It's a very important thing. Look after yourself. Mm. You know, don't eat. I, I say, you know, a lot. It was who, what podcast are you saying? I say, you were saying 
you you know a lot. You said you say you know a lot. I was actually Gavin's one. I'd say I say mm, mm, mm. yeah. I curse a lot. Yeah, I cur- I think it's in our nature. I never cursed before. Then I moved to Donegal. I was working in Donegal in the first year. <laughs> Donegal ruined you. And it, it was fucking hell, fucking this and fucking that and you bastard. It was non-stop. And then I remember I went home for a weekend and it was, you know, my mother and father were saying, so how are you getting on or whatever the conversation would have been. I was like, well, fucking this and fucking that and fucking the other. And they're like, what are you cursing so much? And I was like, I'm not fucking cursing. What the fuck are you talking about cursing? Edit all those swear words out because that just makes me seem like a wild man and I'm raving on. You're not a wild man. You're just, you're into stuff, you know. I'm into stuff. I Is do it like, like the MMA jewels? Maybe we'll touch on the MMA. I know you've been a huge fan of the old UFC for years. I, I, I brought it to Ireland. You brought it to Ireland. I brought it to, I, 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 I MMA, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I like it. I actually remember one of the first DVDs you gave me was when Crow, Crow, Pop, Crow, Crow Cop. When he got knocked out. By Gonzaga. With the leg kick to the head. Yeah, they had a rematch recently and Crocop battled Gonzaga. Really? Yeah, he did. He finished it with elbows on the ground. I like it now. I don't like seeing someone taking a beating unnecessarily. You mm. know, you know, I'm not into the, the let them, I'm not one of those let them bleed type fans. Or let them, you know, I, that's not entertaining for me. Mm. You know, where it's just 15 minutes of brutality. Like I expect there to be some brutality because at the end of the day, it's two fellas get into a cage, mm. but um, it's not. It doesn't all have to be. I suppose that, you know. Is it like Diego Sanchez who has a load of scar tissue? He's moving down to featherweight now. Yeah, I think he's purely moving down to featherweight so he can get a, cr- a crack at McGregor. McGregor says so much stuff about him, but um. But you know he's got so much scar tissue that he bleeds really quickly. You know he so does. Sure, that's like um. <coughs> so do the Diaz brothers. So does well Vanderlei Silva got a lot of his removed. But um, God, Vanderlei look ruined from it. Oh, he, like he looks. I can't take him seriously now. How he looks because I was so used to his face the other way. Mm. And then when he got his face, he got is all. Is he the still fighting? On. Is he? No, he, oh. he, he um bowed out disgracefully. Did he ran know? from a. He he was supposed to be fighting Chael Sonnen and he ran from a, a, a test. Oh really? Yeah, and uh, then instead of Chael Sonnen can't really talk though, can he? Was he? No, but he said, "Yeah, I did all these. I took all these drugs, and I knew what I was taking. I tried to cheat." And the only reason I'm telling you this is because they got caught. So he he cheats, but he put his hands up and say, yeah, I did it. Yeah, so um, MMA, it's gotten very popular. It has gotten very, very popular. And mm. Does that make you happy? Uh, it, it's nice to be able to talk to people about it. I want to see it. When, remember when, when it was Dan Henderson and Rich Franklin were fighting? How many years ago was that? In the O2. Was that when Tom Egan was fighting, was it? Yeah. Mm. And that was about five or six years ago. I remember at work telling people I was going to and they just thought you out of your mind that sounds like they thought it was some underground thing they thought it was AWOL with Jean-Claude Van Damme you know <laughs> but now it's huge on the strength of it I did a jiu-jitsu class all one of them that was enough for me I tap somebody out I feel like I've, I, I reached the pinnacle of the sport I remember you telling me about that but you said you, you, you had um, Joe Rogan's Joe voice Joe Rogan's he- voice in my head telling me what to do <laughs> that's yeah, mad it's crazy did it actually work for you? It did. Really? Because I was leaning, f- it was in a, a guillotine choke and I was, it was an arm in guillotine and I was pulling back, pulling back and it was, it was actually Sil- Vanderlei Silva and Michael Bisping. It's Bisping. Those are Yanks call him Bisping. It was Bisping were fighting and um, Vanderlei Silva had Bisping in a cho- guillotine choke and he was leaning back and Rogan was saying he should be leaning forward and I was pulling, pulling back on your man because I was on the bottom, he was on top. 
and them lights were low and the music were playing <laughs> but I leaned forward <laughs> and immediately I didn't feel any change in the pressure but he must have felt it <clears throat> yeah because he tapped straight away like and I was did you go I'm the king I was like you just got tapped by the king and all of a sudden you just got tapped by the king now granted the king got he, he tapped me about 40 <laughs> times afterwards <laughs> it was a Lithuanian fella I swear to god I could have been I could have wrapped his neck in a chain and barbed wire and he, would, he wouldn't have even realised then all he had to do was touch me I was dropping <laughs> do, 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 <laughs> do you have the heart of a fighter Julian not at all no no I wouldn't it's good to test yourself I suppose I thankfully I've never had to be, been in the, one of those situations on the, on the street yeah but even in terms of like competitive fighting. I don't think I would. I don't think I'd like to be getting battered around the place. No, you're too handsome. I'm too handsome. And but like the first 10 minutes of it would be great. Oh, my knees as well. I'm sure my knees are shot to shit. Yeah. Standing for years in kitchens. Buy shoes. I encourage anyone who wants to be a chef. Good shoes. <laughs> you could recommend a brand. Maybe you get sponsorship. I, w- I wear Crocs. Bistro Crocs. You should never buy cheap shoes or cheap bed. Because if you're not in one, you're in the other. Words of wisdom. Is McGregor go- is McGregor go- McGregor okay. going to beat Aldo? Is he going to beat him? Jesus, I don't know. I can see it happening, and like I can s- I can see both outcomes really. You know. Yeah, I c- I just hope whatever happens, that it's not a flash KO in the first twenty seconds, mm. or like you know some one of them gets. I hope wh- if it's like if I'd say Aldo has a rematch clause. If it's close, there'll be a rematch, and then. It could be a trilogy, which would be great if it's a good trilogy. The Frankie, Ed- Frankie Edgar and what's face Gray Maynard trilogy that was unbelievable. Really, that really, really good. I just <clears throat> and I hope it's not a quick case where within a minute or two minutes someone pops a knee or something, and then it's you know it's called. That's like what that. I was saying. You know, like when you see when you think of Anderson Silva and um, what's your man's name, Chris? Is it the the light heavyweight champ at the moment. No, no, not light heavyweight champ. Weidman, Chris, Chris Weidman. Weidman, yeah. But you know, the second fight, it can all turn so quickly when like, I hope it's Silva's not like leg that. just snapped in half, you know? Yeah, I hope it's not like that. I hope it's, I hope it's good. However, I hope whoever wins, wins decisively, wins well. Mm. But uh, like, I'd like to see it go at least three or four rounds. I Do you want the war? Like, would you, would you be prepared for a war? Like, I, 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 I've never seen McGregor on the ropes, you know, really in I'd like to see him come back from adversity like if he gets battered for two rounds and he comes back and doesn't get a flash chance KO or that it's he pours it on I think I th- I think he'll do it but you know anyth- like I'm only saying that because he's one of ours mm. you know, anyth- it'd be great if he, if he was you know if he's from imagine if he was from Ken Turk or something <laughs> or from Kerry oh yeah a rural lad a rural lad who's like who's got that you know that that strength from I hope he does it is he undervalued do you think who McGregor is is he's all he's I know he's, he can't really seem like he's undervalued by the by the UFC because he's getting a title shot but by his peers in a sense do you think the, the talk to a certain degree like because there was like if he was if he was American if he was American there wouldn't be as much he's been handed this this, this title shot I, I think a lot of it is down to the fact that he's, he's Irish and they're using it as a marketing tool and fair play you know it's business at the end of the day and I'm sure he's uh, like and McGregor is afraid he, to I'm say sure that he's either well o- he's well aware of the the you know what's going on and it let him and he's riding the tide as, as as long as he can and fair play to him you know yeah. I hope he does it and I hope like <clears throat> the only thing the only thing he's done that I didn't like after the Seaver fight when he was 
you know, he was he was drunk at the press conference. Yeah. You know, there has to be an air there has to be a level of professionalism. But then again, like I'm not there. You we're not there. We don't know what's going on backstage. You don't know like he puts up like he says all he says. You don't know how much of it is like he's just letting it out because he's it's relieving stress, let it all out. Yeah. You know, I hope he does it. I suppose he doesn't hold back either. He says whatever. He doesn't really kind of care about outcome or what he says or anything, you know? Yeah, I was, like I was listening to John Kavanagh, his coach, saying that since he's become so popular, the phone is ringing the whole time. The people now are expecting, just if I do this, I can be the next Conor McGregor. They don't see the hours, hours, yeah. hours of work that goes in, into it. I'd say he trains brutally hard as well. I'd say his, I'd say his cardio is off the charts. Oh, I'd say it's insane. And he's balanced from that... Uh, UFC, I can't remember what they did, but Daniel Cormier was doing a little test. Yeah, 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 balance yeah. Test and stuff. It's incredible. Jeez, I'd uh, say the ability to grind is like, because, you know, like from working out and mm. y- there's some days you just, you're just bait from it. Yeah, yeah. To be able to keep going and you have to, like, and I know they do it. I imagine he keeps, like he said that he keeps himself in shape the whole time. He doesn't balloon up, mm. you know, in between fights. Whereas, you know, um, what's-his-face was doing that. Man, the beard. Big rig? Yeah. Yeah. And sure, look, he looked he looked terrible then as before coming into the fight. God, that last fight he had with... Um, Matt Brown. Was it Matt Brown he fought? Who did he fight before that? Robbie Lawler. He Robbie lost Lawler, yeah, yeah. I'm d- I was delighted Robbie Lawler. That was Lawler terrible. Won. He was so... That was a poor fight, I thought. But I was glad Robbie Lawler won because Robbie Lawler is one of the old... Yeah, the, the old, old guard. guard. Yeah. He fucking hit you. You'd know about it. <laughs> Man, I was. If the worst of them hit us, we'd know about it. If the, if the least of them hit us, we'd know about it. I was watching that Mark Hunt fight. You remember we were saying last night? And if he hit Steve you, he'd take. Oh my god, he he he! I think he'd kill me. I think he would just dismantle when, my brain. What, like <laughs> the walkaway knockouts. Those against. I can't pronounce his surname. Was like a called Chris Turk Turker. We call him Turkey Herder. <laughs> Turkey herder, <laughs> like, and he, uh, he he knocked Roy Nelson. You know, Roy Nelson protested a bit, but like, if he followed him down and hit him on the ground, like he would have put him through the. Just, Nelson just fell on his face. I think when and Mark Hunt, Hunt lands clean, it looks like like someone has just died because yeah. there's no stagger. It's a yeah, you know, it's like someone just they just collapse. Mm. Oh yeah, they're gone. Like he likes the ham. Does he? <laughs> I'd say he does. They were saying about he had a, t- a hard weight cut, but I'm like, he was. But he like, balloons up. Does he? Oh, yeah. He, he was 246 pounds or something, but. I'm he like, goes up a huge what amount. What is he like if he's trying to cut? He must be like a fucking sumo wrestler. He is. Like, he balloons up. So, his le- like, six sides of his legs. If he, When he kicks you one of them things, he'd easily. I'd say he'd take me out, I'd say. <laughs> Would he? You? If we just screamed at him, kingly fucking. Well, if it, depends on, it depends on what it was, what the competition was. But if it was inside in a cage, leathering each other, I'd say if he swung and missed, the breeze would knock me down. Yeah. Oh man, I, I shudder to think. Julian, we better touch on your musical history. When was the last time you were in a band? I can remember you, Julian. Ages ago. Locks of flowing, fucking head is swinging, leg on top of that monitor. Ages ago. Ages Giving ago. it the shit. Ages ago, so the last band was Perish the Thought. Do you miss it? I do. I don't miss that name. I hated that name. Did you? Yeah. The la- yeah, I do. I do because you know yourself. You play, and 
all the hanging round and you like not like we were going on tour or anything but the hanging round and the unloading the van and all that it's just awful it's great when there's a bit of a laugh but then wait i used to hate waiting i didn't like it's not nerves as such you'd be i'd be a bit nervous but then once i'd be doing it it was brilliant yeah, yeah. but all i w- once gigs were over i just wanted to get out load the van and go away i hated the waiting round afterwards while everyone kind of goes you know there's five of us it might be people go we'll have a drink or chatting i just want to l- get the stage stripped and get out did you like to go on first or last uh, I didn't mind. You didn't mind. <coughs> Excuse me. There was a part of it that I think we're going last for headlining. You know that kind of shit. Mm. I remember we played it, a thing in Castle Barter, and we were, we were called the headline act, and we could have been up there, plucking chickens, <laughs> and no one had noticed. They're all liars. Yeah, yeah. You know, so sometimes I just love going up first. And you know, because you have the gear. Do you know if you if you've sound checked, you can just leave the gear there. You can go. Have an old wander around, have a point if you want, come back, get on, play, and then you're like. But going on first, if you imagine you're, if there's say there's five bands, if you're going on first, it's up to you to get the initial wallop in. You know you have to you have to hook the people. But then if you're going on last, and we're not talking about like a famous band, obviously, but like if you're number four or five in a row of bands, that to be honest, all that knows them are you and your friends. That yeah. kind of a way. Yeah. Like it's tough because at that stage of night, people physically their ears are starting to burn. Yeah, you know, yeah. you know to hold that they've they've been there since for two or three hours or two and a half hours listening to three bands is enough in my opinion. Yeah, to to keep people hooked, you know, because mm. even though you might be playing something a bit different to the rest of them, keeping them hooked, uh, and you could be half eleven or twelve at night. What was the longest set you ever played? Playing in the cover band, you'd be playing for two and a half hours. I suppose that's a different environment though people different. Are, are always up for it because they know all the songs or whatever yeah. but it's so if the other bands you were I in 45 minutes to an hour mm. uh, yeah I think man I think 35 to 40 is that's that's enough depending on the, f- the band I suppose but playing wise if you if you don't really have after any. 40 minutes so like you know you're like for pe- for watching and you know I, I love music mm. but like you start to get it's not that you're bored of it, but you're not focused on it. Yeah, yeah. And if one person starts losing, losing focus, you know, you'd be guaranteed there's other people losing focus. Yeah. And then, unless you're a hardened touring act that you could be playing to a thousand or to ten thousand or to, to ten, mm. and that t- can take it under stride, you know, it, it, it will affect the performance of it. Yeah. You some, know, some bands, you know, like I remember seeing Therapy um, in the Academy, I can't remember, a few years ago, but it was maybe the year before the 20 year tour or whatever you know, they've been together 20 years but I think they played for like two hours solid and I didn't really notice I was like you know it just it seemed to go by in a, in a blink you know some bands I suppose they just have enough quality tunes just to hold you sure Metallica back in the day used to be for two and a half hours three hours and I was at one of the shows that was over t- about two over two hours long and I, I can't say it was the first time I saw them and because it was the first time I was seeing them, I was completely engaged with the whole show. Mm. But geez, I wouldn't be able to sit. I wouldn't manage two and a half hours now. It's just that kind of like, ah. Uh, yeah. After an hour, you'd be like, ah, yeah, I have enough. <laughs> yeah. What about the Bruce Springsteen type uh, effort? You know, I suppose maybe that's a different style of music. But you know, he plays for three, three and a half hours. But apart, like apparently, when he does play for this length of time, people they are engaged for the whole show. Yeah. But it's, I'd say. With him, 
I'd say if he's playing Born in the USA or he's playing his newest track, I'd say he gives it sucks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And not just the kind of I'm professional, I'm giving this you a performance that you paid for. Like I didn't see when he came, you know, when he was when he was huge mm. as like, you know, like a couple of years ago, you couldn't move without you know, with Bruce Springsteen everything. Yeah. But I'd say he's still when he plays Born in the USA or you know, the big hits that are years old. He he seems to still get it. You just a, get a buzz from it, like a buzz from yeah, it. You know, yeah. and he's got a savage band behind him as well. Yeah, the D Street Band. Yeah. Um, any thoughts of getting into back into music for yourself, Jules? Oh, the time. When do I have the time? She, you know what my schedule is. Yeah. You know, you know I don't have the time. Mm. It does take time. It it takes time, and then to balance between work, you know, having time with with Chloe and Benoit. Mm. You know, um, just have the time. But um, if a cover band came up and said, "Can you blast out a few hits with us?" That would probably be a little bit easier. That'd be a little bit easier. But then the problem with that is most of that happens on Fridays and Saturday nights. And to say to a band, because you know, when it's a cover band, they're taking you on, you know, they're paying you a wage, kind of. And if you say, "Yeah, I can do this one," but I can't do the next seven because mm. I can't get all those Friday and Saturday nights on, off. Mm. For me, you know, if I was in a daytime job. As I do with no bother. Yeah, yeah. Maybe we'll call it Jules. What? Um, give us um, ad- not advice, but if you could recommend. Okay, firstly, maybe recommend a few restaurants in Cork, maybe that you really like. Um, I'll in Cork. I really like Le Gourmandise. Okay, that's a special occasion restaurant. That's pricey. Sp- it is, but mm. it's worth it. Mm. It is worth it. Yeah. Um, where else? In Cork, for a mid-price restaurant. I know you said earlier you don't really eat out much, but there's a place over by the kind of by the opera house. What's it called? Um, oh no, Pembroke. Oh, I don't know that. <laughs> this is going to be a really dull segment of the, the interview. Um, I can't remember the, the name of it. Brendan Cashman has a place. I can't remember the name of that either. It's on French Church Street or French Church Street. That'd be savage. He's okay. a great chef. Brendan Cashman. Yeah, he used to have a place called Augustus. Okay. Or Augustine's. Like, <laughs> hey, the food there was savage. Really? Was that in Cork, was it? Yeah. It, it used to be on, um, it used to be on Washington Street where there's something else in there now. Mm. Like a, a, a Tex-Mex type place. Okay. And then he moved to the Clarion. But his, his food is savage. Thomas Cashman. No, Brendan Cashman. Brendan Cashman. Okay. Albums. Recommend a few albums. What are you listening to at the moment? I, at the moment, I'm listening to because uh, I've stopped buying a lot of new stuff. At the, I, I, on the way up, I was listening to the Second Life of Agony album. I never got it when it came out. Mm. I got it a few weeks ago. It's called Ugly, and it's it's very bland. Is it? Yeah. What I mean, what what did I listen to recently that I thought was savage? Dead Cron- Dead Congregation, their second album, their death metal band from Greece. It's brilliant violent was that what you played for me the last time yeah it's it's savage the new primordial album is savage it got great re- great reviews i don't think it was as good as the last one mm. i really like redemption of the puritan's hand okay which is the one before it what else am i listening to now um keepers of the faith that's constantly in the car really oh that's the shaky leg <laughs> that album is savage now what else um hardcore are you going to go to mastodon you are I've got the ticket getting the final okay from the powers that be. Okay. But yeah, I really like their new album, although it's very much, it feels like 
the hunter part two is in it's it's not like the hunter part two but it's just very much the same vein same sound yeah yeah, uh, yeah I, I was saying that to you i think the drummer's vocals just great on me after a while man what's the album with the where you, with oblivion what's that album the one that came after crack, crack the sky no oh the one that came after crack the sky was a hunter oh then crack the sky like when he started singing on that first mm. you know when i first got that i thought jesus this is amazing yeah like i, re- I really liked his vocals but I know, I know what you mean. They kind of get annoying. But sometimes when Brent Hines is doing that, <laughs> Troy Sanders, when he's doing the full-on bellow, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, he's a great voice. Another album I'd recommend would be, one of the best albums I've ever bought is Salvation, the white album from Cult of Luna. Oh, yeah, That's right. one of those albums that is designed for nighttime driving. Yeah, that's a great album, man. When Chloe used to be going on, going on tour, I'd be collecting her from the airport in, up in Dublin at all hours because she'd come back from America. I put that on. Jeez, that album is on sonically when they go from the quiet into the 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 bombastic type parts. Yeah. Jesus, that's a brilliant album. They're playing Arc Tangent this year, actually. Where's that? It's in uh, Bristol. Uh, it's a big festival, I think. But um, yeah, I, I, I've never seen Called the Luna. I thought they'd stopped because they released Vertical and they released a, a kind of a follow-up Vertical Part Two and EP, and they said they're going on going on hiatus. I got Vertical. It didn't really hit me that much at all, actually. I I haven't I haven't given enough time. Because mm. one of the songs is about seventy two hours long or something, <laughs> you know. And I like I don't mind that they're long, but you know Yeah. After about fifteen minutes you've said all you're gonna say in this song. Did you hear the new band from uh Sumac? Did you hear that band? It's the um, it's Aaron Turner from ISIS and I think it's No, I read about them, but mostly when I read about ISIS I'm reading about people saying, I can't wear my ISIS t- I think oh, I've broken the chair. I can't wear my ISIS T shirt now. Oh yeah, I know. Yeah, I have two above. But I don't think they'll ever see the light of day again. No, unless you're to write a marker on the back, a white marker, not that ISIS, the other ISIS. <laughs> or else you could just walk down the street going, "That's right, that's what I'm all about." <laughs> Fucking ISIS all the way, bye. Um, no, I didn't hear that. What else? Recommend another another album that I got. I'm trying to think. Of I'm going to get the new Faith in War album. I haven't listened to it. It's been online for ages, people streaming it, whatever. Mm. But I'm very much looking forward to that because it's Faith No More. You know, but I'm reading a lot of mixed reviews. But, you know, what's his face? Alan Arvill said about it. You know, people, you know, he's a singer in Primordial. Uh, he was saying that people go off and stream an album and they ridicule it. But they're listening to it on shitty speakers. Mm. That And they're, it's a scratchy download of a thing. Like... Give it a chance, get it, and listen to it properly. Mm. I hope the new Faith in War album is brilliant. The new Agnostic Front album is more of the same, but if you like him, like me, you'll love it. Yeah. Freddie Creation sings it. When he sings it, he sounds like a bear compared to the rest. Freddie Madball, is yeah. it? Did they have Madball release anything in the last while? They released one the last day in the last summer, which I want from. Remember, I, s- I sent you the video. You won from Walls well, of Jericho was in it. God, she's <coughs> a fucking animal. She bit the head off you. Oh my God, almighty. she's crossfitting it. I'd say. Is she? Did you ever try CrossFit? No, no, no. No. Cross. <laughs> That's a whole lot. This could just go on for ages. <laughs> you just wander. Just wander. And like, we'd be there talking, we'd be like Cult of Luna, talk for 72 hours, and people would be saying, Your man said all he had to say after five minutes. <laughs> I think it's only because <laughs> Kieran knows him that we let him wa- waffle on. Yeah. This will be the greatest, <coughs> excuse me, this will be the greatest blackout at sunrise. Are the one that brings the whole thing down. <laughs> Crumble. <laughs> I don't. I hope it's not the latter. Julian, let's call it. 
Are yeah. you happy? Have you said enough? I've said enough. Thanks very much for having me. You You're know, very welcome. Because I know everyone else has been on has had some real stuff to say. And most of what I've had to say is the kind of stuff you'd hear from me anyways. <laughs> yeah, but you're... Given out. Not everyone knows you, but maybe people maybe people no, will want to know you. No, know. they won't. No. no. That was one of the things about back in the... Playing in the bands. I'll stop now. No, what you were know, you saying? Go people, on. People thought, he's an awful fucking gold bag. I actually thought you were a total gold bag when I saw you first. <laughs> You were fucking... Oh, yeah! <laughs> yeah, I had this thing where... You were in the Savoy, I think. And then I, I got to know you. I was like, Jesus, he's actually a He's lovely. Legend. He's lovely. He's lovely hands and he loves ham. That's, yeah, because I had this thing where I couldn't stop talking in an American accent. <laughs> I don't know what. And it was so many pointed out to me. They're like, why are you talking like this? And I was like, I don't know. <laughs> From me, oh. Yeah, that, that was probably nerves. Was Cover-up thing. Cover-up, yeah. A yeah. cover-up. It's all a cover-up. Are you going to get more ink? I have the next three tattoos that I want in mind. I know them exactly. Where are you going to get them? Um, not not shop boys, but on oh, your person. Um, one on my left left. Maybe shoulder. we should. Yeah, go on, go on. One on my left shoulder, and then one on either calf, because you know I've got the outside of my legs done. Yeah. But um, if anyone out there is willing to sponsor me, <laughs> I know, man, it's so expensive. What are we going to yeah. say? Maybe we should what? We can talk about this afterwards. People might want to hear about it. I can People do want it. They, they don't want to hear me. They just want to hear you. <laughs> well, I have very dulcet tones. Okay. Go on. Let's, thank you very much for having me. And thanks to, thanks to Mary's Cakes for feeding the boys all through, all through the, the, the pre-season training. <laughs> <laughs> to kill Chima on the 14th for the championship. That's right. Hop <laughs> Massey. Hop John. Hop Little John too. And and can I say hello to anyone who knows me? <laughs> oh, little John, too. Oh, fucking beautiful. Jules, it's been a pleasure. Bye-bye.